Welcome to Love, Money, and the Law, where you'll find conversations about everything relationships, marriage, and divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Hyde, and my goal is to bring you new insights and points of view through legal, psychological, financial, and spiritual perspectives. Be sure to check out lovemoneylaw.com for live seminars, free videos, and products related to many of the topics we'll discuss. I'm glad you're here. So what is a cohabitation agreement and what isn't it? Think of it as a prenuptial agreement without the nuptials. It's a contract between an unmarried couple that cohabits and enjoys an intimate, economical, and social relationship. In other words, you intentionally choose to live together without marriage. I also want to emphasize that nothing here is legal advice. The purpose of this information is to bring awareness to issues that are a part of these contracts. If you decide this is something you want to do because you are committed to each other for the long term, then you and your partner will each need to contact a family law attorney in your state to see how the issues apply to your personal circumstances. For states that recognize informal marriages or common law marriage, the parties to the contract are specifically referred to as spousal equivalents or something similar because the agreement intends to avoid the creation of a common law or informal marriage. As in any contract, consideration is required for it to be valid. Consideration is a benefit which must be bargained for between parties and is the essential reason for someone to enter into a contract. In the case of a cohabitation agreement, it may be a mutual promise for each person to act as companion and homemaker to the other, in addition to other specific promises contained in the agreement. These contracts are also drafted to protect a couple who want to live together and avoid unnecessary legal issues and costs should their relationship end. The agreement is intended to bind both parties and allow a couple to determine in advance what property rights each will have during the relationship. This concern is important if you want to keep property you inherited or if one of you owns a home in which both of you are going to live. It's important to be able to refute any possibility of gifting or reimbursement rights in the event of a dispute. You'll also want to lay out arrangements for financial support, debts, and caring for the children. Here you can stipulate whether any form of financial support is expected to be paid, who will pay it, the amount, and the duration of payments. Life insurance policies are often a part of these agreements to protect one partner who may be dependent on the other or living in his or her home. It's important to note, however, that in the event of a suit for breach of contract, it's rare nationwide for courts to award support payments and domestic partner splits. I want you to know this so you can go into your cohabitation agreement with your eyes wide open. The majority of states in the United States recognize these agreements, although a small number of recent cases have held that contracts between unmarried cohabitants are unenforceable. At the time of this taping, these cases exist in Georgia, Illinois, and Louisiana. You may be surprised to know that there are three types of cohabitation agreements, written, oral, and implied. Most states require these agreements to be in writing, 
although there are some that recognize oral contracts. It's always best to have a written agreement as it can be difficult for courts to determine what you both implied or agreed to orally when you don't have everything you agreed on written out. In cases of oral or implied contracts, the intent and conduct of the parties is under review. If there's no independent proof of your intention, courts may refuse to recognize the agreement as being valid at all. Therefore, it's crucially important to retain the expertise of a family law attorney to draft your contract. As a reminder, each of you should have your own lawyer. One lawyer can't properly represent both of you. Okay, now let's talk about what a cohabitation agreement is not. It's not a contract where sexual services are used as part of the consideration for the contract. If there's ever a lawsuit for breach of contract and this is found to be the case, a court will not hold your contract valid and it is therefore unenforceable. In other words, these agreements are created with good intentions to serve as an outline for healthy relationships based on mutual respect, not surreptitious activities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Love, Money, and the Law. Be sure to subscribe to receive a note about the next topic. When you subscribe, it helps support this effort to bring you independent insights into topics that matter in your family and beyond.